Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's so good to see your beautiful faces, and um, I'm happy to be here. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Molly Stewart. And and I'm muted, and also that. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Oh, that's a lot easier. Okay, I'm Molly Stewart. Let's start over. Um, We've been at Redeemer for maybe six years. I've been married to my husband, Paul, for 14, and we're serving in Redeemer 20s right now. We just started serving there. One day you'll be 20, and you'll go there. Um, And that's just kind of the season of life that I'm in right now. I'm raising my four kids. I have... um, Phoebe's my oldest. She's 11 and my youngest is six. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, But getting ready for this, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what it was like when I was 11 to 18 years old. So that was kind of fun, kind of scary at the same time. And um, just to be honest, I couldn't, I didn't have a lot of great stories. That was a really hard time in my life. So, um, (laughs) so that was a hard time in my life, but I did want to provide you evidence with the fact that at what I wasn't at one, in fact, at one time, young. So that's not a picture of Phoebe. <laughs> that's me. And I was a silly girl. I remember being on a bus with my friend and just, just total goofball. And then that's me, like seventh grade, I think, there. So that's my junior high time. And then I grew up a little bit and I went to high school. And um, so there's my senior picture. I was having a good hair day. And, um, and here's how seriously I took my future. They asked me, what are you going to do after high school? And I said, I'm going to the beach. So pretty much that's still a high priority in my life. But, and then um, over here, most artistic, but I, maybe, maybe that should be most awkward. Yeah. Adam Crawford there. So those are just kind of funny times from when I was growing up. But um, I got saved when I was 19. I really started walking with the Lord when I was 18, 19. If everyone hear my testimony, I'd be glad to sit down and show you that with you. But right now, I'm probably not going to go into all that. But... Um, so that's kind of where, where I started. I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, population 10,000 and declining. Um, just really small town, not a lot to do. So I'm really thankful for you girls that you have this opportunity and all these believers and leaders and godly women um, to disciple you and help you know how to walk with Christ. Um, so, okay. Um, tonight, I do want to talk about fearing man. And I'm going to have to do this every once in a while, I'm sorry, in advance. Not too bad. Um, but to kick us off, to talk about fearing man, I wanted to share with you one of my most embarrassing stories from high school, and I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> you'll get to know me this way, and, um, and we'll also understand a little bit more about fearing man. So I was mostly kind of like introverted, shy kind of girl, um, except for when I got to high school, I realized, I was like, you know, I'm just... I'm tired of it a bit. I want to be confident, outgoing, comfortable in myself, with myself, strong, fearless. And so in an attempt to bypass the fear of man, um, I just kind of became obnoxious and reckless. So that was kind of me in high school. So when I was about 17, I went bowling with a group of friends. And it was the end of our time bowling. And um, let's see, it, it was supposed to be done at like 9 o'clock. And it was 8.59 or something, or 8.57. And they said... Or pay bowlers, put your shoes on, it's time for clothes. And so me and all my friends were like, well, we have two more minutes. And um, 
And so, but anyway, we started to change our shoes anyway. So I changed my shoes, but then my turn came up. I was like, I'm gonna bowl anyway. I'm going anyway, because I wanted to be, you know, independent. <laughs> so I said, I'm gonna bowl up there anyway. So I go up there and I'm like, am I gonna do this? Am I really gonna do this? Yes, yes I am, because I'm confident and fearless and, and they shouldn't be closing it down right now. So I go up there all by myself. I have my street shoes on at this point with my bowling ball. Nobody's down the lanes that way. Nobody's down the lanes that way. Everybody had obeyed the rule and they stopped bowling. So all of them, small town, they're all back here. Friday night, everybody, it's like totally full and all my friends are behind me. And <laughs> I step up there and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I just went and I bowled. And you don't know your bowling shoes are good for something because I had my street shoes on and I tripped and my foot got stuck and I tossed my ball and I tripped and you don't know it, <laughs> but I fell into the bowling lane. <laughs> and you don't know it now, but those things are slippery, like fish. They're just waxy and you can't, once you're on there, you cannot get up. <laughs> so I'm laying there trying to get up and putting my hands all over and just slipping all over and it felt like an eternity, like an, I was flopping like a fish in front of everybody for an hour. Anyway, I finally got up and then I turn around, there's my, there's all of Oil City, Pennsylvania and my little friend group and they're like, oh, so just cracking up laughing. And so, did I not care what anybody thought at that moment? <laughs> no, I was really, really embarrassed and I realized, okay, it's true what they say, pride comes before the fall. So that is my, <laughs> That's one of the most embarrassing stories I could have thought of, but everybody fears man, and it looks different ways. And I hope that you can see that in your life, and maybe by the end of this, if you can't now, maybe you'll be able to see that. So um, it might even be more of a temptation when you're in the season that you're in right now, because you're around your friends so frequently, you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood, and everybody's just trying to figure out who they are and what's going on. So... Um, but fearing man can be a very dangerous trap, and I want to help you um, and not fall into that. So let me just get a little participation. Please don't be shy. Um, don't fear man. Just shout it out. When I say fear, what are some of your first, what are your first thoughts? Like, how would you define that? Fear. If someone says, I'm afraid, I'm fearful. Scared. Scared? Who said scared? You said that? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. If if you don't catch it. And they're chocolate girls, okay? It's chocolate. Lint truffles and dove. So Oh, okay. Alright, what, what do you think of? Ready? What do you have, what do you think when you think fear? Afraid. Um anybody else? Embarrassing myself. Embarrassing yourself. Good job. Terrified. Freaked out. Freaked out. What'd you say? Sad. Sadness. Yeah, that's a good one. What about over here? Come on, girl. It's chocolate. Okay. <laughs> What's that? Spiders. Spiders. My, way back there. Watch your heads, girls. <laughs> yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety. I'm going to try, okay? Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> Someone might want to help me with the chocolate. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Embarrassment. Thank you. Good example. I'm sorry for that. I didn't realize there were going to be so many of you. But there's going to be chocolate. I'm going to try again. So, um... Yeah, we think of all those things, and you girls are really on it, because embarrassment is a part of fear, but a lot of times it can be 
just it can include being afraid of someone, afraid of being hurt. Someone said, spiders, my son brought home a huge spider. And he came, I was in the shower today and knocked on the door and said, Mom, and I was like, can you put your face up to the door and say it loudly so I can hear you? And he said, I put the spider up my arm and he's friendly. <laughs> Is he in the house? Is he in the house? Yeah. Get him out of the house. <laughs> anyway, that's my spider tangent. But um, anyway, so it includes being afraid of somebody. But it also includes being in awe of something, being controlled by them. When we fear someone, something, we yield to it. Now, does anybody, I have a feeling on this side of the room, maybe some of you have your driver's license permit. Anybody over here? What does it mean to yield? What do you do when you yield? I won't throw a chocolate way back there, okay? So, Grace, don't be afraid to answer. What does it mean to yield? Let other people go first. You give way to them, so if you're, but you're, you can have chocolate afterwards. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to anybody. So, yeah, you, you let other people go first. So if you're coming this, if you see a yield sign this way and someone's coming this way, you let them go. It means to give way to pressure. The phrase fear of man is a phrase we use to describe being controlled by the opinions of other people. Doesn't that look like fear o man? Okay, fear man. <laughs> um, fear man, it's used when we're describing, um, controlled by the opinions of other people. It comes in many forms. We want people to think well of us, so we do whatever it takes to get their good opinion, and it can lead us in a dangerous direction. So um, in a minute here, we are going to get into the Bible. We're going to open up to Matthew, but let me just go ahead and pray before we get into it. God, thank you so much um, for this group of girls and the gospel that you have provided for them and put them in a place where they can hear and obey and follow and yield to the gospel, and um, thank you for that they have each other, that they have their leaders who love them, and I just pray um, that you would nourish them in this time, and I thank you that we've already been able to laugh, and I'm, I just pray we could overlook the chocolate incident, and that um, we could just learn truly, sincerely from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Matthew 23. Five through seven. So this is what you call a topical sermon or talk or whatever. So we're not going to be just in one text. We're going to move to a few different texts, okay? So Matthew 23, 5 through 7. Tonight, I want to look at three people that will help us to realize our fear of man so we will not be caught in its trap. So Matthew 23. In this little section here, Jesus has some strong words. He's talking to the crowds and his disciples. He's not, and he's describing the Pharisees to the crowd. So Matthew 23, verse 5. They, the Pharisees, do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. So... We're just going to stop right there, but Jesus goes on to call the Pharisees blind fools, hypocrites, blind guides. This is not a complimentary section from Jesus to the Pharisees. He's calling them out that they do things to be seen by others. So we're first going to look at their actions. Um, Jesus flat out says why they're doing what they're doing. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They weren't doing their stuff for God. They were, they were religious leaders, but they weren't doing what they do for him. They just wanted to be seen as spiritual, extra-holy good people. And earlier in that same book, Matthew, Jesus said that they gave to the needy so that they may be praised by others. They prayed long, loud prayers, and they 
fasted and they disfigured their faces when they fasted. And they're like, oh, I'm so hungry. It's so hard to do this. Look how holy I am. They did all of it to be seen by others. But we don't won't be too hard on them, right? We don't be too hard on the Pharisees because we do the same thing. Maybe we like being seen reading our Bible or praying with someone greeting a new visitor. It's ucky. We don't always want to admit it, but we do that. I do that. <laughs> we can be so concerned how other people see us. That's all we're going to do for their actions. Let's look at their appearance. In verse 5, the second part says, they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now, phylacteries are just a box around their, word, around their neck to remind them of, of keeping the Hebrew law. But they make theirs huge, like this huge phylactery. Like, look how big, <laughs> look how, I, how much I remember the law, just to bring attention to themselves. And they read their fringes long on their robes, just to bring attention to themselves. What they looked like was for people to notice, just to draw attention to themselves. And now as young, beautiful girls, it's very, a very easy trap to fall into. How often do we look in the mirror? How careful are you about your, about your hairstyle before you walk out the door? Does it have to go with the occasion? Are you paranoid to step into public before you try something different with your appearance? I know for a long time, I, I didn't wear my hair down. I was like so paranoid to ever wear my hair down. I was like, I know it's probably time. I've been wearing my hair in a bun for like seven years. I should probably bring it down. But so many people mentioned it that I was like, if I go to the house with my hair down, it's going to be all puffy and people are going to say stuff and like ninth grade, but I had to get over that. Um, um, how many angles do you have to look at yourself before a picture is approved to post on Instagram? Do you compare yourself to others? Looks, their hair, their makeup, their face, their body, their clothes, their shoes, their grades, their, their handwriting. I felt like everybody had cute handwriting. I always had messy handwriting. But there are different ways to fear man. Sometimes we do everything we can to keep our eyes, keep people's eyes off of us because we're afraid of what they think. And that's probably where, more where I was at. It's easier to hide um, than to control all that. We're just concerned with our appearance. One more look at the Pharisees. Um, their acclaim, which is just public praise. Verses 6 and 7. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. They welcomed signs of approval. They loved being liked. So they made sure they were in the right place at the right time. We get that, right? Where are you going to sit? Who are you sitting with? What time are you going to be there? I don't want to pee by myself. Or do you ever get a certain like happy boost when someone like outside your friend circle or someone popular just says hi to you or gives you a high five or hey, we just get a certain boost. We like to be liked. We want to be liked and approved of, so we do things that help us to be more liked. Or we avoid things keep us from not being liked. When I was growing up, it was not cool to not have your socks match. It was really hard for me to find two socks that match, so I really had to work. That was the way I feared man growing up. Um, anyway, we just saw the Pharisees, the, how they feared man in their actions, their appearance, and their acclaim. Let's be done with the Pharisees, okay? I want to introduce you to another person. Um, we're going to flip another place in the Gospels, Luke 7, 36. So I want to tell you about another person, our second one in the Bible, that will help us realize our fear of man so that we'll not be caught in its trap. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and I just want you to focus on 
this woman. There's a lot. It's a, it's a, little, it's a big passage. I'm going to read um, a big chunk of it. But I only want you to look at this woman. Yeah, there's, there's, it's a beautiful passage. I could stay here a long, long time. But I just want you to look at this woman. Who was she? What was she like? What did she do? Whom did she fear? What kind of situation was she in? Just think about her. Okay, you ready? Luke seven thirty six. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who's forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love that section. I could stay here all day. Um, let's just think about the environment that this, that this party was in, okay? This was a Pharisee party. We just talked about the Pharisees and what they were like, right? It was a very exclusive group. Remember how concerned they were with how they look and what people think? Can you imagine what the guest list must have been like? What, what kind of people they would have had there? Or the preparations? Because everything reflected on, on them, on how they looked. So the party must have been outstanding. It all affects their image. They, they invited Jesus because he was popular at this time. Everyone's trying to look good. So why did Simon, he goes to this party, why did Simon not offer to wash his feet? Do you think about that? That's, that was common courtesy in those times, to offer, offer to wash someone's feet. Your fan, sandals are probably thin, feet are really dirty, hot, dusty road, everybody's walking on horses, cows around, you know, in the streets and stuff, so your feet need clean. So you go into somebody's house that you walk to, and your feet, it's just common courtesy to offer to wash his feet. So why did Jesus, Simon not offer to wash Jesus' feet? How would the people have reacted if Simon, this big phylactery guy with the fringes, he bends down and he washes Jesus' dirty feet. How do you think the people would have reacted? 
Do you remember when Jesus washed his disciples' feet? They're like, oh, no, 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 this is below you. You don't do this to us. Important people don't wash feet. It was a dirty job. No Pharisee was going to do that. But Simon didn't even get a servant to do it. He didn't even give him common courtesy. Well, what if Simon, the Pharisee, at this, hosting this party, what if he would have cried? Jewish men didn't cry. It's a sign of weakness. It's, I mean, for us today, too, it's a sign of weakness and dependency. No Pharisee could show that. They were too good for that. So Jesus calls Simon out pretty clearly, pretty, pretty coldly, on not showing Jesus' love in this way. But what do you see about this woman? Women in those times were second class. Men, Jewish men, didn't talk to them if they were defiled in any way. And he addresses her twice, I think, right there. They didn't commonly mix in groups of men. This woman was a sinner. She walked into a popular, self-righteous man's party and gave an expensive, lavish, emotional gift to Jesus, one that everybody would have been able to recognize, one that everybody would have known about and seen exactly what she's doing. I mean, she's crying, she's washing her hair, and, and this fragrance, it's not like, it's ointment, but it's not like Neosporin, it's like ointment, it's this, what I think in other places is called pure nard, it's fragrant, it's beautiful, it's an expensive perfume. Everybody would have seen it. She brought all this attention to herself, but she, she would have understood the gap between her and the guys at this party. You have to understand, girls, when it says she was a sinner, you can expect that she was an outcast, defiled, unloved, unwanted, unprotected, uncared for, and maybe today we might think she was gross. So why did she risk this judgment? Why did she walk into this room and put herself through this? Any ideas on that? Anyone going to say anything? <laughs> because she loved Jesus. She loved him. He was worth it. She knew her sin, and it was impossible for her to appear godly or to bump shoulders with good people. She knew that she couldn't even act in a way that would please God let alone these judgmental guys. There was no use in her trying to please man. I think she gave up on that. She knew her need. That's what she knew. She knew the value of forgiveness, and she cherished it. All her value was in worshiping him. All her value. Not in what those guys thought. And maybe, maybe there were some ladies out on the street, too, that she knew, too. They were like, no, don't go in there. It's a bad idea. But she pushed past all the cultural, social things, expectations that might have been on her. But what if she were like the Pharisees? I thought about this. What if she didn't see her sin and she tried to cover it up with her actions, appearance, and her claim? What if she just spent her life trying to cover things up? That wouldn't help anything, right? Anyway, so what about Jesus' response? Anybody know how Jesus responds? Look at your Bible. Verse 50, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So first of all, he stood up for her. And then he gave her these sweet words. Do you know how comforting that would have been for her? How freeing for her to be at rest from, from, the, from the torment of her sin? For her to be told, you can be at peace. You're forgiven. Your sins are wiped away. Your faith has saved you. It was her faith that caused her to not fear man. She saw the greatness of, his God, of God and his love for her by, by forgiving her of her great sin. And nothing else mattered. 
I mean, I don't know how much that ointment would have cost, but it, it could have been like a huge amount of money that would have been really helpful for her, for her but nothing else mattered. No, no good opinion, no invitation, no popularity contest, no compliment, nothing. And that's the heart of someone who doesn't fear man. They can't forgive my sins. Well, they, they think I'm lazy. They don't know the half of it. But God does, and he's forgiven me. They can't forgive me. This is it right here. Our, when our view of God is great, and we love him for it, we won't always be yielding to the fear of man. And so this lady's my personal role model. I just, I love this little section. Um, when you see God for who he is and cherish him for what he's done, people's opinion doesn't matter. And this is just, this is what I want for you. I, I don't know all of you very well, but when I'm thinking, okay, I get to speak to these girls, 11, 18 years old, hitting adulthood pretty soon, I think, what, what is the greatest thing I would desire for them from a biblical perspective? I would desire for you that you would love God fearlessly, that you would love Christ and cherish your salvation shamelessly, that you would put yourself out there like she did, serve him shamelessly, because he loved you and died for you and forgave you of your sin. That's just a gift. I can tell you this, and you'll discover this in time, but that's a gift that no friend or teacher or parent or sibling or man or anybody can ever, ever give you or ever fill in you. So I just want to take a second to say, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're like, oh, okay. And you've never noticed your sin, you've never thought about, you've never brought it to Jesus for forgiveness, do it tonight. You're surrounded by people who love you. If there's a sin you need to confess, confess it tonight. Don't let the fear of man hold that, hold you from that freedom. So this woman is our example and not fearing man. She acted in a way that would please him regardless of the consequences of what people would think of her. So we've seen the uh, fear of man and the Pharisees, the fear of God modeled by the sinner, and now we want to look at you. Um, one more turn in here. We're going to turn to Proverbs 29, 25. In the middle of your Bible. And as we're considering you, can you relate more to the Pharisees or the sinner? This book I'm reading that I would recommend that at some point you all read, um, When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welsh. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, he says, the fear of man is such a part of our human fabric that we should check a pulse if someone denies it. So it's a big problem. You know, it's everywhere. We walk around sometimes just entirely controlled by what others think of us when we leave our house. Maybe that's, maybe that's the draw sometimes of social media. I can hide behind my, like, what pictures I put up there, or what I post or whatever. Um, what do these jeans say about me? Is it cute or is it sporty or, um, oh, I have a question, but maybe that's stupid, so I want to ask it. Everyone think I'm crazy if I confess that sin. Or our schoolwork, everyone expects me to have my work done and work done in a certain standard. Or I should have been invited to that event. I should have gotten that part. It's everywhere. So, that introduces us to Proverbs 29:25. You there? The fear of man lays a snare. I'm going to stop right there. Don't read ahead. <laughs> um, what's a snare? What's another word for a snare? Trap. 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 
I can't do it anymore. It's a hazard. <laughs> but I have a lot of candy up here, so I'd really be delighted if you would take it. Um, but I feel like I'm going to hit somebody again, so I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, it's a trap. So when you think of a trap, help me, because I have three boys. The only traps that I can think of are like boy traps. Phoebe, what's a trap? So a chipmunk trap. Peanut butter, water, you drown the chipmunk. Anybody? Okay, so what are some other traps? What do you think of a trap? Lily. A, a fish trap? Yeah, like the kind you put underwater that the tube goes in like that and they go in and they can't come out? Yeah. Like a mouse trap. Mouse traps? Anybody back there? Mouse trap? Let me get some on this side. Caitlin. When you take it like a political sign, they're really slippery, you put it on the ground and you put snow over it in the winter, right by your door. You trap somebody. so bad. I'll never do that again. Did you trap yourself that My time? Mom. You trapped your mom? Oh, that's sad. Don't trap your moms. That's bad. So what is the purpose of a trap? These traps. To catch something. Why would you want to catch something? To keep it, well, mm, no, maybe to kill it, to get rid of it. Or like if it's like a prank trap, like to scare someone, or like just oh, it's like a funny joke. Yeah, like a prank. Yeah, so we want to we want to stop the thing. When we have traps in our yard, raccoon traps are really popular at my house. It's to keep the thing doing from what it's doing, right? <laughs> the point. <laughs> The point of a trap, this is a really good definition of a trap. Keep it doing it from what it's doing. We also have a rule in our house, don't tie stuff to stuff. Like, I don't know how to say this. Stop tying stuff to stuff. Anyway, so the point of a trap is to stop you from doing what you set out to do. And it will hurt you. A mouse trap stops the mouse, kills the mouse. It's dangerous. It will lead you away from goodness. Fear of, the fear of man is a trap for you. So how is a fear of man like a trap? Well, let's look at the Pharisees. They spent a whole lot of time fearing man. Do you remember? So do you remember the story of the, another Pharisee story, the Pharisee and the tax collector praying? The Pharisee was like, do you know the story? Okay. Um, um, the Pharisee and the tax collector, they were at the temple praying. The Pharisee was like, oh, I thank you that I fast, and I thank you that I tithe. And he's saying all these things so everybody could hear his glorious prayer. But the tax collector, another sinner, would not even go near to the temple, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know what God, Jesus said about those men? He told that, them that the sinner went home justified, rather than the Pharisee that was doing all these religious things. In their whole system, in the Pharisee's whole system, of, being, of doing everything to be seen by others, they gave up their justification. Are you familiar with the term justification? Because it means being made right. You know the phrase, just, if, just as if I'd never sinned. They gave that away for this momentary time of like pleasing people and that they might think well of them. But their sins were never taken away. Do you understand the gravity of that? Where are the Pharisees now? They entered eternity covered in their sin. In the end, they gave Jesus over their only hope of salvation. They gave him over to be crucified. Like Matthew 10, 28 says, 
Don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's scary. It's a scary trap. I don't mean to try to scare y'all, but the problem is when we fear people, who do we become like? People. The people you're fearing. There's no eternal value in people pleasing. You can do it all day and it's not going to make a difference in eternity. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to make you all feel bad or anything. We all do it. I do it. I'm still very much working on it. I chipped a nail right before we came up here, and it bothered me because I still fear man. Okay, so we're still working on it. You can be a believer in Christ and still struggle with fearing people, but it will be a great hindrance to your growth. You can't honor God if your goal is to make people think well of you. That will not put you in the right direction. It's a trap. Let's read the next part of Proverbs 29, 25. Ready? Amy, would you read the whole thing for us? Loud and clear? The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Mm-hmm. What, what, what version do you have there? NASB. NASB. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so, well, I'm sorry. It wasn't, he who trusts in the Lord will... Be exalted. Mine says, whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Both work. Both are good. You want to be kept from the trap of fearing man? Trust in the Lord. Follow his ways. Girls, I spent all my years when I was your age not trusting in the Lord, and it is not good. He is great and worthy of all his, and all his ways are good and lead to goodness. Is it always easy? No, it's not. Is it always good? Yes, it is. In fact, the whole Bible, in many different ways, is about fearing God in different ways, just using different terms. So um, I just want to do like a little, um, little word picture here. I just need two voluntolds. So I'm going to voluntold two people. Caitlin, would you mind if I used you? I'm going to need a little space here. I will just, can you ever see down here? Okay, let me see. All right, just going to put you two right here. Okay. All right. You're going to look at each other. Look at each other. Stand a little bit away. Okay. Caitlin. What's your name again? I'm sorry. Lauren. Lauren. So I want you to just check her out. Just think, how strong do you think she is? Get, get a good look. Yeah. Show her Show her Yeah. All right. All right. Now I want you, Caitlin, to turn around, and we're going to do a trust fall. Okay? Lauren, open your arms. Open your arms. Okay. Okay, ready, Caitlin? Fall. No, 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 don't really do it. You're not really gonna do it, are you? Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. All right, Lauren, open your arms. Wait, she's gonna do it. Okay. Would you really do it? Would you really do it if I wanted to do it? She would not really do it. I would. You're an obedient, nice girl. But really, would you? Would you? Would you hurt Lauren? No. And would you hurt yourself? Because yeah. if you fell, if you did the trust fall, what would happen? Why? You're like David on Goliath. Or Goliath Why? on David. Why did that happen? Because she's small. Because she's small. She's, she's small. It's good. It's good. Okay, now we're going to switch it around. Lauren, I want you to get a look, good look at Caitlin. Okay, check her out. She's nice and tall. Show her your muscles. You think she could catch you? Yeah. All right, turn around. Lauren, trust fall onto Caitlin. Oh, She's bigger than you, and she could clearly capably catch you, right? Thank you, girls. You can have some chocolate. <laughs>
believe that God is great to trust him. Do you see that? We must believe that he is great to trust him. If you go around thinking God's like this big and he can't change that much and he isn't that awesome, you're not going to trust him. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Ladies, when you fear God, you trust him. He makes your path straight. He gives you stability, salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. So we've seen the fear of men and the Pharisees, the fear of God modeled by the sinner. And I hope you'll check your own heart to see where you're at. Let me just give you a few ideas, okay? I don't know if this thing's happening. So we have a plan to get out of a trap. If I was a little chipmunk drowning in a bucket of water at my house in my backyard, <laughs> I need a plan to get out of it. So how do we do that? Um, well, first, I just want to encourage you. Fearing God is a lifelong journey. I think any God-fearing person you talk to at any age will admit that they still are growing in the process of fearing God and not fearing man. Just be honest about it and keep growing. Take the next step forward. So, but just a little practical things. Work on your view of God. Just like we saw here, Caitlin and Lauren. Work on your view of God. Pray that you fear him. Be in the word daily. I want you to start that habit now. Don't wait till you're like, you know, older. <laughs> Don't wait till you're older and you're like overwhelmed and things are falling apart. And you're like, I should have listened to Molly and I've been in the word every day. Start now and you won't regret it. Have that habit. I know you're busy with school. I know you're busy. You've got a lot of books to read. You're tired. You're growing. Uh, I have a worksheet here for you. I meant to, like, I'll get one to all of you. But you can start, start with this. It has some verses. The Bible says so much about fear of God and the fear of man um, that there are some verses here that you can just look up. Do it with your mom on Saturday morning, late morning in your jammies. Um, so just to cultivate that being in the Word daily to, to work on your view of God. Have you, ever, have you ever stood outside in a thunderstorm? Oh, that's good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> so... And just, and have you just stood up there and thought about how mighty God is? The next time there's a thunderstorm warning on your phone, don't go in your basement. Go outside. <laughs> With your parents' permission. Parental supervision. Go outside and see how the wind tears through the trees and the sky gets dark. Get a little bit scared out there. And then realize that that same God that has control of this mighty storm is also at the same time maintaining the galaxies, is maintaining the ocean, is maintaining all of your lives around the city, country, world, and he died for you. He came as a little baby, lived a sinless life, and died for you because he loves you. And if you have a little bit of fear in that moment, I think that will help move the needle towards fearing God and not fearing man. My dad, um, when I was learning how to use a knife as a kid, my dad often taught me to not be afraid of the knife, but to respect the knife. Because it's a tool that when you use it well and right, and as it was designed, it's good. But if you mess with the knife and you don't respect it, it will hurt you. Um, so that's the first task in escaping the snare of the fear of man, is just to know how, God, how awesome and glorious God is, not other people. The second thing I want to just encourage you to do is to serve. That will help you just to get your eyes off yourself. When we serve other people, our eyes are off ourselves, and you'll see that God is greater, and you'll get to be a part of seeing God work in other people's lives, and you'll see him as greater. 
Do the dirty work that no one else wants to do. Be alert to the difficulties in your home and in your family and find ways to help them. Come to youth group looking for ways to encourage people and deflect attention away from yourself. Go to school thinking about your peers and your teachers and what they might need. And the third thing here, <laughs> yeah, um, is just to look at yourself less. So when we're constantly looking at ourselves and we're always thinking, oh, what is everyone else thinking? Or what do they think? By the way, who is everyone? Can someone tell me who everyone is? Everyone thinks. <laughs> In your head, when you say, when you hear yourself say, oh, everyone's going to think this if I do that. Or, oh, everyone will think, you know, if you just hear yourself saying that in your mind, just ask yourself, why do I really think that? Who is everyone? Did I hear one person say this ever in my entire life? Maybe, maybe it's not everyone. Likely it's not. Anyway, that always is a question of mine. <laughs> um, so does all this mean we shouldn't brush our hair, or we shouldn't wear jewelry, or we shouldn't think about our outfit, or we shouldn't clean the car before our friends get in, or we should hide our good works and don't let anybody see us reading our Bible? No, that's not what I'm saying. You understand that? I'm not saying that? Okay. Because um, I think there's a number of good things that come from enjoying being feminine and making our environments beautiful. That's a wonderful gift that women have. And that glorifies God when we do that. But why? Do we do it for what it says about us? As always, God cares about the heart. I heard it over here. Someone said heart. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the why. But as we fight against our natural, we have just have a natural tendency to fear man. They're everywhere. People are everywhere. Here's just a tip. Look in the mirror less. And I've been studying fear of man for the past couple of weeks. And I myself have noticed how often I look in the mirror. And that is why this point right here. But maybe, maybe just look in the mirror less. Look on your phone less. Don't prop things up so well. Just let it go. I, I, I Marco Polo a friend of mine last night with my face mask on, because I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to fear man. I'm, I, I know this is gross and weird, but I'm just, I'm just going to test myself a little. Test yourself sometimes. When you're not, when you're not looking like you want to look, or someone pops by in your house or your room is a mess, don't apologize. Just welcome them in. Just be glad to see them. Um, don't examine pictures to make sure you look perfect. Ask yourself, what would fear God? When you're picking out an outfit, when you're making a decision, when you're deciding where to sit, when you're texting a friend, managing your time, or just talking with a friend, what would fear God right now? Am I fearing God? If social media is a place that you go to to compare yourself to others, or if it's just a temptation, maybe cut your time, reduce your time there, or maybe delete your account. And pray for those that you're jealous of. Thank God for the gifts that they have. There's no competition here. When Jesus comes, the level, the, what do you say, the, the fields are level? It's a level playing field. <laughs> um, there's no competition. Okay, girls? I want you to know that. When you meet eyes with another girl, give her a big smile because there's no competition. Okay? I want you to just remember that because it opens up a lot of conversation and gives you an opportunity to be like Christ with them. So with all that being said, there's lots to grow on. I hope I haven't overwhelmed you or anything. But when I look at you girls, I'm excited about what the Lord will do in your life. I don't want you to be hindered by the fear of man. I want you to be able to grow in the great, intimate love of Christ, knowing that he's forgiven you of your sins and there's 
no other treasure on this earth, including the praise of man. You can be free to just love him and serve him. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful group of young women. You are doing so much all the time. You are doing so much in our hearts. and um, Lord, I just pray that we would see the fear of man in us and that you would lead us gently, mercifully to repentance and that we would turn to you and that you would um, allow us, Lord, to be enraptured in your love, that we would love you more and more and be in greater and greater awe of you. I pray they would be encouraged to know that they're free to love you, that they're free from any perceived pressures from outside um, and that they would just walk in joy knowing that um, your love for them is so great, not because of who they are or who they aren't, but because of who you are, Lord. So thank you so much for this time. I pray you would have your way in our hearts and that we would each go in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.